0: What up? I don't know who said hi. <laughs> What's up? Um, hi. Super excited. Um, if you guys do not... Oh. Um, I'll wait. Hold on. Yeah, if you guys don't know me, my name is Andrew. Um, I am one of the college residents here, a part of Mountain View, and I am so excited to come um, and sit under God's Word tonight and be able to um, talk to you guys about um, our new series um, so for some of you guys don't know, um, tonight is night one of us for the next six weeks um, walking through the book of First Thessalonians, um, and just, man, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much um, joy I have found um, in this book and being able to um, take time to see what the Lord has, um, yeah, um, for us. And so as we dive in, um, we are going to break it up in different ways, different people coming um, to be a part of this. Um, so I'm just excited to start it off for you guys, but I, I want to start off with this. Um, so um, as most of you guys are here, you guys have been in college, but when I was in college, uh, my freshman year of college, um, I went to a school in Texas. Um, if you guys don't know, I'm from Texas, yeah, I got by Texas people, <laughs> greatest place in the world. Don't, the, my wife's over there. She doesn't agree with me. There you go. So I'm from Texas. I came from a really small town school. Um, We were about 20,000 people in the town, and my school was at 1,000 people on campus. We were absolutely tiny, Um, and so we didn't have much to do in this very small town. So what most people did um, is they broke into abandoned buildings. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Trey loves to get on top of buildings but that are not abandoned. Um, But um, I had two friends, Elijah and Eric, who are still some of my greatest friends, but they had this really strong idea that they needed to break into every building possible that was abandoned. Um, and so in our, in our town, um, we had um, a, one building that was like the Holy Grail. It was called Sidridge. So if you can see it, it is a massive building. This is not like a little, like, this is a house we're going to break in. This is like the Holy Grail of buildings to break in. Um, and the reason why it was the Holy Grail is because if you were caught breaking into this building, it was a rest on site like cops find you, you're getting cuffed, you're going to jail, and then the owners had clearly told or plainly told everyone that you will be sued and they will press charges for you breaking in. So there wasn't just this idea of we're going to break in. It's like we're breaking in and there's some like we're going hard. So my freshman year, everybody was, it was like a tradition to break in and be a part of this. And I was, I'm kind of a rule follower. And so my friends were like, let's go. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna get kicked out of college, which was never gonna happen. But I was like, I'm gonna get kicked out of college, I'm gonna get in trouble, all these kind of things. My friends were like, no, we're going. Um, luckily, um, I was out of town and they got really excited, like, we're going. Um, and they ended up finding um, an older friend of ours, his name's Caleb, who had told them, hey, I've been in Sidrich. I can take you around, I can do everything you need to do. And they're like, perfect. So one night they go up to Sidrich. Um, and, and you see it um, on the other side of the building, there's this one-story platform, and it's about a foot away from the actual building. And what you have to do is you have to stick your feet against the wall and your back against the other and shimmy your way up one floor, grab on, pull yourself up, and you jump through a window. That's the way to get in. Um, it, it sounds like it's really hard. I promise you it's not. Um, not that I've done it, right? Um, <laughs> so um, they get in this building, and they're walking around, and the reason why Sirich is Um, Abandoned is because way back in the day it started as a hotel and then the university I went to, Howard Payne, bought the building and it was the male's dorm. Uh, But it had been condemned because they found asbestos in it. So while they had all these students living in it, they finally were like, there's a ton of asbestos in here. We should probably get these students out of here. So they left over a summer and left all this stuff. So it was just fun to walk in there. You know, you had a bunch of mattresses, a bunch of um, like big, huge refrigerators that you can mess around with. Um, but the, the glory was getting to the top, getting to the top floor and being able to see the view. Um, but it was also the most dangerous because the cops could see you from that high up. Because as you see, um, it's not a bump in Metropolis, there's one building. <laughs> so they go and Caleb's like, I got you guys, we're going. So the three of them go in and they're walking around looking and looking. Um, and man, I just wish you guys could know Caleb because this would make it so much better. But he walks up, he goes to the door, opens it up and he says, here it is, here's the staircase. And it's a closet. He looks around and goes, it was here last time. <laughs> and it is like I, like, I said, I wish you knew him because it would, it would just, you'd laugh so much more. Um, Caleb had no idea. And we still give him so much grief saying like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You were lying to us the whole time. You just wanted to impress us, right? The thing is, is Eric and Elijah walked around for the next hour or two trying to find the staircase. They eventually found it. They got to the top. They looked out. They did not get arrested. And they came down. Um, but the interesting thing is, is the person directing them was lost. And so in return, they were lost. And so the thing is, is as we come before First Thessalonians tonight, my goal and my, or a big goal and my hope is just to start pointing you guys in the right direction, as we spend the next six weeks walking through what Paul had to say to the church at Thessalonica, I want you guys to be able to be able to see and hear um, what Paul was pointing to in here. And I'm going to do that in two different ways. Um, I'm, I'm going to walk through what, what is Thessalonica, what it became, and what Paul was preaching to. So I, I just want to give you a little rundown. What is the city of Thessalonica, which is not there anymore? Um, also, I looked a bunch of places, and it was like, Salvia, and I looked that up, and that didn't come up on Google Maps, so I have no idea what the, c- the city's name is anymore. Uh, but what we know about Thessalonica is it was founded by the Greeks in 315 B.C. It was then taken over by the Macedonians in 358 B.C., um, and then eventually the Romans came um, and dominated the city, and that's where Paul's coming into, in a Roman-dominated city. But the interesting thing about Thessalonica is it wasn't like a Roman-dominated city. Like, it was, like, the Romans didn't just give up their cities. Like, they held on to those things with all they had. Well, during one of the many Roman civil wars, um, Thessalonica was a city that, that hosted um, Anthony and Octavian in one of the major civil wars. And it's really interesting that these two were on one side and then, like, years later they ended up killing each other to become emperor but regardless these two people they come they host this city and augustus comes into power and he remembers what Thessalonica had done and he says you know what you don't have to be a roman city anymore you're going to become a free city and so what that means as a free city is not necessarily they're free from roman um, like being under their hand but what it means is that they are self-governed that they are able to govern themselves as a free city Um, And and so inside of their government, they they put together um, a bunch of people, and they call them Poltarchs. and that'll make sense further on. And so the city was a great attraction for many people, didn't want to be under Rome, so they would come to Thessalonica because it was a free place. Um, And so it attracted a ton of Greeks. So there's a bunch of Greek people um, inside the city of Thessalonica. And so what the dominating religion here was um, um, Hellenist, it is a Hellenist's country, which means that they followed the view um, of Roman gods. So they believed in Zeus. They believed in Aphrodite. They, they would, these were the gods that they worshipped. So if you've spent any time in Greek mythology, um, you would know just at least some of these names have been around. So this city was bent on worship of foreign gods. But because this city was on a port, they were extremely rich um, city, and they had a high commerce. So because of this commerce, they attracted many Jews, which leads us to the point of them having a synagogue, right? So this is Thessalonica. It's this free city. These people, they self-govern themselves. There's a lot that happens there historically, but we see that there's a ton of Greeks bringing in this Hellenist view, and then there's a bunch of Jews, which creates a synagogue. And why that's important is because we come to the story of Paul, right? Paul is the writer of Thessalonians. He's speaking to a church um, but there was a journey um, that Paul came to, and we actually see this journey in Acts 17. So in verses 1 through 4, I think I have this now. Um, sorry, you, gotta, you just got it the background. That's my bad, Riley. Now, it says this. Now, when they had passed through um, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, who I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Sweet. So what we see is Paul, he, he's, leaving, he's leaving Philippi. So if you're here on Sunday mornings, we're walking through the book of Philippians. And if you want like a full breakdown of that, you should go back and listen to Aaron's sermon on it. But what's happening is they're leaving um, Philippi. They're being ran out of the city um, by people and they, they come to this place. So they, they, they're walking this hundred miles towards Thessalonica, and they come to a city, and they look around and go, I don't think the gospel's right here. Let's go to the next one. And so they keep going. They go, they go. They go to another city, and they said, I don't think it's right for the gospel. Let's go to the next one. And we have no idea why Paul is not going to stay at two, these two cities. All we know is that he moves to Thessalonica. He looks and says, this place is ripe for the gospel. And so him him, Silas, and Timothy, they go in um, to Thessalonica, and the first thing that Paul does is exactly what it says here, that he goes into the synagogue for three Sabbath days, which all that means is that he was in Thessalonica, in the synagogue, for three like Sunday services. Right? He goes in, and, he, and he's reasoning with them. He's trying to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, and he's having these conversations, and what, is, what comes of this is that devout Jews who did not believe in the gospel came to faith. And and then some of the leading women of the city, which all that means is that they were married to men of high standing, they came to know Christ. So we see in these three weeks, Paul is radically changing the culture of Thessalonica. And the thing is, is Paul was not only in Thessalonica for three weeks. Um, There's no way possible that he could have built a church grown a church, and then also started into tent making, which, is his, which was his profession there, in three weeks. So we understand that he was there for a long time. We're not sure how long, um, but he's in Thessalonica. He's growing this church. These people are coming to faith, um, and then this happens. It says, but the Jews were jealous... And taking some wicked men of the rabble, or wicked men of the city, um, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, who we know historically was actually one of the believers that came um, to know Christ in the city. So he's from the city. He came to be a believer. So they, they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. proclaiming the gospel, people are coming and the devout Jews of the city are angry just like happens a lot with Paul. Um, And so what they do is they get a mob, they rush this man's house assuming Paul would be there and he wasn't. And so they take this man and they drag him away. Um, And because of this, what happens next in these verses in Acts is that the people of the city, they say, hey or the church, they say, hey Paul, Silas, Timothy, you need to go. Like you just need to get out of here, you're next, like it's not going to be good for you. So they get sent over to the, the nearing city called Berea Um, And we see Paul continue his missionary journey there as well. Um, But what's how hated he was in Thessalonica is that the the Jews there heard that he was in Berea, went to Berea, and caused another commotion there to have him killed. And eventually they sent him out um, into Athens. Um, And so once Timothy, Silas, and Paul um, board a ship and go to Athens, Paul has a heart for the church in Thessalonica. Like, he's like, they're new believers— They live in this culture. I've seen this culture. Like, Timothy, I need you to go back. So they get to Athens. He's away for three months, and he's so burdened for them that he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to be with the people. And he's with the people for a time, and eventually Paul continues on his missionary journey. He finds himself in the city of Corinth, which is um, where the letters of 1 and 2 Corinthians come from. Um, And Timothy finds him, and he talks and tells him of what is happening in Thessalonica. So that's how we get to the point. That's, that's the story of who the city is and how Paul came to this point. Um, and over the course of the five chapters, we see Paul really writing three main ideas or themes. And I, and I want to give you these, because I, like I said, I want to point you in the right direction. I want you to, as we walk through this, that it's not just like chapter after chapter, but you see this as a letter and where Paul's heart's coming for the people. And so I want to give you these three themes that I want you to just kind of, whenever you hear for the next six weeks, try to see I'm in process. And the first theme that Paul talks about is holiness or the idea of being set apart. Right? Paul sees the ways of the city and the brokenness and the idol worship that is being done, and he is calling the church to stay holy. And we see this in a few places. Um, In chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, it says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Right? In chapter four, verses three and four, it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So right, Paul is giving this theme throughout in chapter three, verse 13, in chapter five, verse five and eight. He continually comes back to this idea of the church pursuing holiness. The second theme I see is that he's he's calling the church to continue to love. The church was being persecuted, right? Paul had to run out of the city because people were trying to kill him, right? Paul's pushing the church to love their fellow believers, but also the people who aren't believers. And again, I want to give you a few places. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10, it says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And we'll go um, deeper into that when we get to chapter 4, but He's pushing them to understand that love is what they are called to. Holiness and love are these two things in their lives that they should stand firm and hold into. And then the last thing that I see Paul as a theme coming in here um, is future hope. Right? Paul talks about future hope so much out of 1 Thessalonians. This idea that because of what Christ has done for us, that our actions and our lives and our hope change Um, And and I think the greatest of this ways is found in um, chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Right, I, I, I hope that in some of what I've just said right now, very briefly, very shortly, that it's pushing you in a direction that you can start to see why is Paul writing to the church in Thess- uh, Thessalonica and why is Paul um, bringing uh, the believers to do these things? All right. What is going on? What is happening? And, and if we can see through this lens... Um, at the start, I, I truthfully believe we can really take on for what the Lord has for us in these next six weeks um, in First Thessalonians. So really fast, sped, sped as fast as I could to this point. Um, but yeah, let's, I, I want us to dive into 1 um, Thessalonians 1. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, it's all on the screen. I, just like, I always like to read along because I get ADHD if I look at the screen. So um, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, it says this. On, screen too. Um, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians and God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to grace and peace. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for, you, for all of you, constantly. Mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, love by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among... Um, Among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom we raise from the dead, Jesus who deliver us from the wrath to come. So, um, kind of like how I talked about, like, I was in college, right, I, about all these abandoned buildings and things. Um, I also had the opportunity um, to work in a church, um, so for four years of my five years of college, um, I worked at a church um, in my very first year, my sophomore year of college, um, I had an opportunity to lead a high school um, boys small group. Um, and if any of you have worked with high schoolers, you will understand what I, a lot of these, a lot what I'm about to say. Um, but I had these freshman boys um, right up here. These are, these are them. Oh, let's see if the picture goes. Boom. These are my boys. My homies. Um they would hate me if I told them I showed this. Um, but these are my guys. These, these were my, my sophomore year of college. I spent a whole year um, hanging out with these guys and them being a part of my life. Um, I, I was able to live with them. I was able to go to their sporting events and encourage them. I laughed with them. Um, I hurt with them. Um, and in the long run, I didn't think it would happen. I cared for them super deeply. And sadly, um, I only spent a year with them um, because after my, after my one year of working with them, I ended up becoming an intern and becoming pretty much like the middle school director, and I led the middle schoolers um, for the next three years. But what was really great is that I had the opportunity um, to see them grow from their freshman year um, to their senior year. And during that time, um, I, was found, I found so much joy and I found so much happiness in them, but I also found so much frustration and annoyance. And so many other emotions that are hard to work through sometimes, um, but I loved them. And the really hard part of all of it is, for some of these guys, I, I can look up at it now, and I remember I was looking at it earlier, and it, it, was just, it was kind of hard in some ways. Some of these guys walked away from their faith in high school. I watched them come to church faithfully and want to seek the Lord, um, and then all of a sudden they're gone, and they don't want anything to do with God. Um, some of these guys, I had the opportunity to see them. I, I saw them walk um, at 10 o'clock May 31st, and I got in my car and I moved up here June 1st. Um, So I got to see them walk. I got to know what was going on in their life. Um, And sadly, most of the other ones walked away their faith in college. Um, But I I want to talk about one of these guys. Um, Dead middle, blue shirt. I don't know what he's doing with his hand over his mouth. His name is Jacob. Um, So Jacob, um, Jacob is still in college. He he's a he's a junior now. Um, He's a junior in college. And I haven't seen Jacob in three years, like in person. Like I don't go to Texas very much, um, but I I just heard stories, right? I've heard Jacob has done so many great things. I got to see him through high school, through very difficult times, continue to love the Lord. Um, But as I left, I I heard stories about how Jacob went to college, um, and he went to the same college I did, so he was in the same town still, um, and he continued to pursue the Lord. He continued to make God his all in all, and he continued to chase after him with all he has. And the only reason I know these things is because he's now an intern and has my position um, at the same church. And so my boss, my old boss, whenever I call him, he's like, man, Jacob's doing great. I had an opportunity to talk to Jacob. He's like, hey, can I get a, like, um, can I get you to give me a recommendation? I was like, sure, of course, Jacob, man. Like, I'm so glad to hear this. The really cool thing is that I'm going to be back in Texas in May for one of my best friend's wedding, um, and I get to see Jacob. And I'm so excited to see Jacob. I'm so excited because I get to walk up to him. I get to look him in the eyes and go, Jacob, I'm so happy for you and I'm so proud. Because the truth is, is you continued on the race and that brings me great joy knowing that I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of Jacob's life and story and journey and to see him continually chase after the Lord brings me such great joy. And it's exactly what Paul is saying here in the first part of um, Thessalonians. He's looking at the people with so much joy. He sent Timothy away for, a whole, for, for months at a time to come back and go, man, I, I saw them come to faith. I got to walk with them. I got to be a part of him. I got to do all these things. Now I get to hear about it. So when we read this, I, 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 Paul's not just saying, like, you did all these good things. Paul, I, can, I can just imagine Paul being so excited, writing these words, getting ready to send this letter, like, guys, I heard that you continued to run the race. And that's what I want to do tonight. I want to come to a point of just like Paul and Timothy and Silas who wrote this letter, how they were so excited to encourage them, to say, look what you've been doing that is so good. I want to come to you guys tonight. I want to encourage you. I want you to be able to walk out of here And to look back at yourself right now, no matter what's going on, good, bad, ugly, hard, difficult, fun. And I want you to be able to rest in who God is and what he's doing in you and through you. So we see this, the first part is in um, verses 1 through 3. It says, um, I think it's going to own the, you may want to hit, can you cut the picture? It's going to do it again. It says, um, Paul, Paul Sil- Silvanus, which is Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. Right, Paul is coming to them and he's pointing them to these things that they are living out, right? He, he talks, firstly... He says, your work of faith. He says, you have had this faith that has kept you going. You have had this faith that has built up this holiness inside of you. And no matter what is going on in the culture around you, you have pushed through to stay holy. right? He's encouraging and saying, you have been holy. And then he goes on to say, um, before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love. right? Just imagine, we don't live in a culture like this, but they lived in a culture where they were being persecuted. They were being rejected. They were as you see Jason being taken by a mob, and I can't imagine a mob like, like just touching them, like they're hitting him and kicking him and making sure he feels the pain of what's going on, and they drag him away. That is the culture they're in, and he's like, "You have loved them. You have loved them so well." And then the last one he says, "You have a steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ that no matter what, they realize that anything that happened, that there was something at the end of the road that they their life did not end here on Earth, and so what I want to point you to is that we know God is near us because He is working in us and changing in us, and changing us. Uh, and I think this is really important for us to see, because for many times we we don't want to look at ourselves as changed beings, right? You go, like we go and says like Andrew, I haven't been changed, like I'm the same person, like. But the truth is, is like more than anything, like. If you are a believer, you've been raised from dead to life. Like you were dead in your trespasses and there was hope, there was hopelessness for you nothing else and God raised you up and he gave you life, right? He, he then more than that or also on that, he, you were a slave to sin, you were bound and held to sin and did whatever sin told you to do and you were broken free and set free and you are no longer held to that. Right? You have been changed right L- dead to life slave to free um, but for some of you maybe you've found healing you've maybe found healing from addiction you maybe have f- found healing from lies and brokenness maybe for some of you you've been set free from things porn sexual sexual impurities alcohol drugs maybe some of you are being set free from the lies you've heard and held on to your whole life if you are in Christ you have been changed and I want to go back to an example that we used last semester. Um, if you guys were here for when Adam talked about us growing in our faith, he used this analogy of a tree. He says when you plant a tree, if you walk out every single day and you look at the tree, you will always say, it's, it's not growing. Like every single day you look, it's like, it's not growing. But if I was to leave and come back a year later, I see Growth. Because the thing is is we do not, are not going to see change if we look every single day. But if we truthfully go back and honestly evaluate ourselves and look back before we were a believer from the day we found salvation to the, day, to the place we are now, God has changed us. I never realized that until one day I looked back at who I really was before Christ and even the day that I came to Christ, I'm like, man, I'm a different person. Know and believe And continue on in your faith that God is near and you know He is near because He is changing you. The second thing that I see um, in verse 4 to 7, it says this, um, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because... Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Right? Paul points out these two things to him. He says, You have been chosen. He points to the Thessalonians and says, you have been chosen by the Lord. And then later on, he says, you receive the word with joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul is pointing the church to understand that God is the one that chose them. They came to Christ by the working of him. And here's the thing. We must rest in this truth. We must rest and understand that it is God who chose us. Because if any point we try to think that we chose God before he chose us, there's, we're lying to ourselves to believe that there was something in us that was able to put ourselves together and go, man, I actually need God. There's nothing in us that would ever choose to know or think that we needed a God apart from him revealing that to us. We didn't choose God, but he chose us. And before we even considered God, he chose us. And that makes no sense because he decided to love us, people who are his enemies, people who reject him, people who only have brokenness and sin to offer him. And he draws us in. And in Isaiah 43, 9 says this, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. You are mine. God draws us in and he holds us, and he says this in John 10, it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Hear me, you need not to worry if God is near you today because he is changing you. And you, know, you do not need to worry that one day you will do something that pushes God away and that he will look at you and go no more. You have a God who holds you in his mighty right hand and he says you are mine and I am yours and there's nothing that can take you away. We are being changed. We are being held. And the last thing that that I see in here is in the last three verses. These people changed from serving idols to serve the living God and they clung to the hope and are waiting for Him. They not just go about their daily lives, they go day in and day out waiting on the Lord knowing that their lives do not just end here on earth. But once their time here here is over, there is heaven. The current struggles and persecution is nothing compared to what is waiting for them to be unified with their Father and Savior for all eternity, a place of peace, peace, hope, joy, and fullness for the rest of forever. And they cling to this because they know their salvation is true. They know that the God that created all things, at the sound of his voice and made all things good and they created humans and made Adam and Eve, they know that in that Adam and Eve sinned The original sin, the sin of saying, I can be like God, so I will eat of this fruit so I can be like him. And that that original sin that broke all of humanity, tainted us all, full of it, dripping in it, nothing left. It is full, and they knew that. And they knew the salvation they held to is that we were broken and we were hopeless, and all that we deserved is punishment to be separated from God for all eternity and there's nothing we could have done about it. But we also see a loving God who came and he became like man in humility and lived and walked on this earth. And in perfection, he was beaten and mocked and hung up on a cross for absolutely nothing. And then he hung up on a cross and he looked at God and says, I will take their punishment, give it to me. And he took the punishment we deserve and he dies. And he raises three days later and says, I own death now. You need not worry. And one day you will be with me forever and ever and ever. This is the hope we cling to. We do not lose hope. We continue pursuing on, right? We cling to him, just like in the midst of a thunderstorm where a small little kid will get up and run to their dad and you'll hold on to his leg thinking knowing that I if I don't leave this place I will never be hurt. It is the same way we, we run to God and we cling to him and we know that nothing in this life will affect us or hurt us, not depression, not anxiety, not not death threats, not anything in our heart will ever hurt us because we know that one day when this life is over that we will be with the Father for all eternity. So be encouraged today that we live a life that is not meaningless and you do not walk out of these doors with a God who doesn't care about you. Just like Paul looked at the church in Thessalonica and he said, be encouraged and keep running the race. I want to implore you today, continue running the race. And rest in the fact that God is near, and rest in the fact that God will never let you go. And know and believe that one day, when your last breath on earth, your next breath will be with Him forever. And for you that have never heard this or have never um, put your faith in this, uh, man, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And it's as simple as this: um, to come to know this faith, you repent and believe. You repent with your head, your mouth, that you are a sinner in need of Him, and you believe in your head and in your heart that He is Lord. And for you that don't know, I, I, would, I, would, I would ask you to consider. And for those that have, keep running the race and continue to remember of what God has done and is doing. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you um, for today. I thank you for this time um, in your word. Um, Lord, I just pray for these fellow believers. Father, I pray uh, that you would come and you would bring them a peace as they step out of these doors. That as they go to the world around them of, um, that, that is swirling to push them away and to fall into sin and turn away from you, Father, I pray that they would continue on in you. That they would realize that, Lord, you are working and you are with them. And that you hold them regardless of what they do. No, gravy, no sin is so gravi- gravest that you would reject them. And that, Lord, they have a hope that one day they know that they will see you face to face, and there will be no more brokenness and no more hopelessness. So, Lord, I pray as we step into 1 Thessalonians, we realize Paul's heart for the people. And, Lord, we come to you trusting them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.